The title of the sermon is Let's Go to the Wedding. Let's Go to the Wedding. The flowers over here to my right are the wedding that we had last weekend. The flowers last Sunday morning and this morning are to honor Hannah Corbett and her new husband, except she's not Corbett anymore. She's a Kennedy, so Burns Kennedy. That's right. The water pot, I make reference to it. I'm going to read in just a moment about a wedding in the Canaan of Galilee. Again, the title of the sermon is Let's Go to the Wedding. Of course, they just sang that song about that there will be a wedding one day in heaven. And what I want to share today is I want to make sure you're planning on going to the wedding. And we need to invite as many people as we know to make sure that they come to the wedding. In the last six weeks, I have performed three marriage ceremonies. I mentioned this past weekend it was Hannah, Corbett, and also Burns Kennedy, and I wanted to share something with you. Some of you may or may not know, even if you were at the wedding, you may not realize the special honor and the special blessing of which Kathy received, and I asked her permission to share this. Um, she invited all of her family to come, and one invitation went to her cousin. He's been very, very sick with Parkinson's disease, and for the most part, besides going to the doctor and so forth, has not been out of the house in five years. She did not expect him to come. There's something about a wedding that stirs us and we want to come and be a part of. And so he walked in, of course she began to weep, and he honored Hannah and, the, and honored Kathy by being here and sat beside her at the wedding. There's something about weddings that stir us. Just a moment, I'm going to share with you uh, an opportunity that Lana and I had while we were in Israel just a couple of weeks ago. We were able to stand at a supposed place, but certainly nearby, the scripture that I'm about to read to you where Jesus performed his first miracle in Canaan of Galilee. So I want to share that with you right now, and I want you to think about three or four questions. Because when we stood there, I also thought about Ephesians, the fifth chapter, which I'm going to read about where the Holy Spirit makes a comparison between a husband and a wife and their marriage as compared to our marriage as the bride of Christ to the groom. It's a mystery there. It even says that. But what all is going on there? So think about these questions. Why does Jesus decide to perform His first miracle in the beginning of His ministry at a wedding? It's not coincidence. Everything He did and every place He was at had a purpose. So why does Jesus decide to perform His first miracle at a wedding? Another question, why, do, why does God choose to compare the church to the relationship of a husband and wife? Why is relationship so important to God? Which it is. The third thing is, you know in the story that we're about to read that Jesus, He changed or transformed, I want you to remember that word, He transformed all this water into wine. And that's why I have this and the urns that you see in the picture. Put those back up, if you would. And the Scripture is fixing to tell us that there were six pots, and we actually got to see one. It was even much larger than that, and certainly much larger than this. And the Scripture is going to tell us that they held 20 to 30 gallons of water for purification. It was part of the rituals that they went through. Now, this one did not come from the land of Israel. I just want you all to know, it came from the holy land of Hobby Lobby. So... Uh, I think. I don't know where it came from. Where, where, I don't know. I made that up. She's going to say, it didn't come from Hobby Lobby. That's ours. So, uh, 
that Jesus performed a miracle. Here's John, the second chapter, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding. There was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. In that day and time, they even told us there were women in Israel that it was a, you know, the whole, the whole village came out for the wedding. It was a huge uh, party, celebration. And so they all came out, and Jesus' mother was there. And verse 3, it says, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? He wasn't being disrespectful, but he said, My hour has not yet come. Now, you'll know that a few weeks ago on Mother's Day, I shared with you different moms in the Bible. I shared with you this passage, something that we can learn from Jesus' mother. I'll just emphasize it again because she kind of ignored her son. And she just, in verse 5, his mother said to the servant, Whatever he says, do you do it? I'll just remind you that's a great lesson from Jesus' mama. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. On in verse 6, now there were there set before them six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. So the number six is symbolic, the water is symbolic, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled up all these gallons of water. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, he did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You've kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee, and He manifested His glory as His disciples believed in Him. By that time, Jesus had only had a few disciples that were following Him, but this reassured their belief in who He was. I also would emphasize to you that Jesus followed the Jewish custom and rituals. A Jewish priest could not become a rabbi until they were 30 years old, so many suspect that Jesus was probably not quite 30. That's one reason he questioned his mother. He probably was 29 plus years. But nonetheless, he began his ministry here. But I want you to remember the transformation of all those gallons of water that he took and took them and put them into new wine. So much symbolism there. Many sermons could come from this. I want to leave the thought with you as we move forward that the water changed into wine. Jesus said there's going to be a new covenant, the new covenant of my blood, the new wine. Let me read now in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We'll begin reading in verse 25 through 32. Again, ten sermons could be preached from this. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her, that is, the church with the washing and the water of the Word, that He, that is Jesus, might present her, the church, the bride of Christ, to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would, should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, 
but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. I'll just make a side note to say that my wife's sitting here, that, and I just repent and say that I can honestly tell you, men, I don't know that I've loved my wife as Jesus Christ has loved the church. What a tremendous responsibility we have. But again, just as a side note would say, as you read the whole context of Ephesians 5, if we husbands did the job that we were supposed to do, what women would not have respect and submission. It's just a role that we play. But nine times it tells the husbands in this passage, you're to love your wife as I have loved the church. It's overwhelming to me, and obviously we've all failed at it. And I'll say, too, that we know that just to take you all off the hook and get the women on the hook, it says without spot and blemish. Some of you women, God bless you, you got some spots and blemishes. Can I get amen? So we've all failed at it, okay? But he uses this illustration to help us understand a greater mystery, a greater truth. He's talking about a wedding. The bridegroom, the bride of Christ. The song reminding us there's going to be a wedding one day. What an extreme comparison of marriage and the bride of Christ, the church. Two weeks ago, as I mentioned, Lana and I were standing near an altar in Canaan of Galilee. Terry Shaddix is here this morning, and Laura Condra, they're sitting there. They went on the trip to Israel with us. And by the way, that morning that we share on the 28th, they're going to sing a duet in Arabic. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss that. Vicky's mom is Terry, by the way. And anyway, they went on the trip with us to Israel, had a blast, wonderful time with them. And so we all were standing there in this, this place, this church. It's a Catholic church now. And many churches claim that they're right on the very site. We don't know for sure, but we know we were in Canaan, the Galilee, near where this miracle happened. An all-encompassing spiritual moment, just thinking of that every now and then. I also want to show a picture to you of the Sea of Galilee. Lana took that picture just a couple of weeks ago. I was blessed to get to preach on a boat going across the Sea of Galilee, which was a very moving experience. So a lot had been going on, and then a day or two later we went to this wedding and show the next slide. This is actually Lana and I standing behind the altar there in the church of Canaan of Galilee, and there are several couples that are flanked around us, seven or eight that were in our group. One of the pastors there, United Methodist pastor, a South Korean who lives in um, California, uh, Elaine Cho, she had just shared the devotion from John, the second chapter. She may have mentioned Ephesians 5, but nonetheless, I was kind of emotional, and we preachers sermonize everything we do. And I was already, my mind was thinking about a sermon. I was thinking about the honor of being there with Lana. And then the host of Educational Opportunity said, Brother Harvey, would, would you come up with Lana and, and all the other couples that are married? I want you to pronounce a blessing over all the couples that are there and renew their vows. Well, I'm already emotional by now. I couldn't remember or think of one vow. But I prayed a prayer, and I was teared up, and it was obvious. Everybody was there realized I was emotional, but I prayed and pronounced a blessing over Lana and I. And again, it was very moving. Um, but to pronounce a blessing and to think about you're standing there and realizing that Jesus did a transformation there of something we're trying to understand spiritually from water and the wine. So I was emotional over that. 
I want to remind you again that Jesus chose to begin His ministry at a wedding. It's not the only time. Jesus used a lot of analogies, and it's in the Bible, even in Revelation. Weddings and the bride and the groom. On several occasions, Jesus used them to emphasize a spiritual truth. I want to give you two examples. I read earlier the Word of Grace from Matthew 22. It's where the king invites and he compares the kingdom of God to a marriage, a wedding. And so people are invited to come to his son's wedding. Jesus said, therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. That's Matthew 22, 9. If you know the story, if you've read it, many of them decided I was too busy. I've got business going on. I'm not going to the wedding. Again, if you know scriptures, you'll know that it's, an, it's emphasized that these were the Jewish people who were invited, but they didn't want to come to the wedding. And so then the king said, well, then just go out and invite everybody, all of the Gentiles. And we ought to thank God we got invited because that includes us. So we got an invitation to the wedding. And so he says, go out. And in Matthew twenty two twelve. so he said, friend, this is the latter part of the devotion. But he, but he went out and he said, invite everybody to come. Again, if you read Matthew 22, you'll know that it ends not so good. The wedding doors are closed. Then the king comes in and he notices someone that's there in the wedding who does not have on a wedding garment. And he said, how did you get in here? He called for the servants and told and said, take him out. And it ends by saying there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth. You and I must be clothed with his righteousness in order to get to come to the wedding. Matthew 25, Jesus gives us another parable, another illustration of ten virgins. And the whole point of, in Matthew 25, of these ten virgins, five were ready and five were not ready. I'm pretty simple-minded. That's the whole story. Matthew 25, 10, it says, While they went to buy, the five went off to buy oil for their lamps. The bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. But then the door was shut. The point is, the other five that were not ready did not make it to the wedding. I don't think I've ever shared with you all, I had a very unique wedding. It was in Russian. Several years ago, Lana's cousin Emily grew up over here in Natal. I was on a mission trip somewhere, Ukraine, somewhere in that area of the world, near Russia. And while she was there, she met a Russian by the name of Ilya Zabanov. Ilya was also a Christian, and he was on this mission group with her. The rest is history. They fell in love and met, and when they came over to the United States, Ilya did. Emily and her mom and dad invited all the family to come. It was like a big family reunion. We were going to meet this Ilya Zabanov from Russia. We had a big party and celebration, and Lana and I were ready to leave. And Ilya followed us outside the car, and he said, I want you to marry us. And I was honored. I said, well, I'd be glad to. He said, but I have a request. He said, my mom and dad are going to be coming from Russia, and my mom and dad do not know Jesus Christ. They're not saved. I want you to share the gospel at the wedding. And I was like, I was honored. I said, I'd be glad to. And my mind was already thinking of wedding and invitations, and that's what I ended up using in the... In the wedding, the only problem was he said, my mom and dad don't speak any English. Well, yeah, you're, yeah, there's a problem there, right? He said, my friend Paul, who is an interpreter, he works for the government in California. He's a, an interpreter from 
Russian to English, and he's going to interpret the entire wedding. We had the wedding down here in Springville, and you, I had to get with Paul, and, and I shared with him. He said, oh, you just, you just speak a few words, and I've got it. I can handle it. Well, that's what we did. I would say a few words, and ustash, ustash, he'd say it, and I don't know if he followed anything I said. He may have been saying, this knucklehead don't know nothing. Beautiful wedding. My point is, is that Ilya's mom and daddy were invited to the wedding. I shared the gospel with them. If they could come to Christ and in Him alone. And I want to say to you this morning, if you've never filled out the invitation, the RSVP, you can today. You've been invited, invited to the wedding. Let's talk about the miracle of the water to close out with. The miracle of the water into wine is a transformation. The miracle of salvation is a transformation. Any of us who have accepted Christ, we know that He did something on the inside. We know that we were lost, we were without Christ, and all of a sudden we're saved and we know that we know it. And we're getting to go to a wedding. It's a miracle that Jesus did, but only Jesus Christ can do this miracle. And all of this has to do with relationship. It has to do with joy. It has to do with a Father in Heaven who wants His children to come and to be children. He wants relationship with us. One of the things that I noticed in one of the emotional times that I had in Israel was when we stood by the wailing wall. And all of the, the Jewish people that were calling out, and, and many of them praying before the wall, and, and they were calling out, many of them reading the Scriptures, and some of them were singing in Hebrew, and they were calling out to God. But their heart's desire was that somehow the temple would be built back. And it's not going to be because the temple's in the heart. Invitations on the inside. You're invited to the wedding. You're invited to have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All based on love. And I think that's part of the mystery. The gallons of water in those pots were for rituals. For cleansing of the utensils. Water in the rituals are something that you and I can't trust in. As much as I thank God that I, I'm, I'm a part of the United Methodist Church, I don't trust in that for salvation. I don't tell people, well, I'm a good Methodist. And I would dare say even to the Baptist church, don't, don't declare, well, I'm a, good, I'm a good Baptist. Maybe you are. That's wonderful. People may depend upon the fact that I'm Catholic. Well, I, I'm Catholic. Don't trust in the rituals. I think that's a part of what Jesus was saying when He transformed and He changed the water. Because all that water was for, for purifying the utensils and all the, the rituals that they would go to just so they could get to go into the temple. And we're not saved by that. There's going to have to be a transformation. Even John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. When he said, I can baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, it's a work that only Jesus can do inside the heart. You can't trust in rituals. You can't trust in water baptism. You can't trust in confirmation. Confirmation may lead you to Christ. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. That has got to happen, and there's only one that can do that, and it's Jesus Christ and Him alone. I was fishing yesterday with my son-in-law Blake Wilkes back there on the sand. Blake and I were fishing on the Canoe Creek. We were back, way back in there, with John Freeman and his grandsons. And Blake asked me, Harvey, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I told him, I said, I'm going to preach about the wedding of Canaan, Galilee, and. Uh, that we're all going to a wedding one day. And he said, oh man, I just read this week something from Max Licato. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But Max Licato was talking about weddings, but also about funerals of believers. And in so many words, Blake shared with me that Max Licato, the uh, devotion was, for a believer, 
a funeral is a wedding invitation. We're just going home to the wedding. The title of the sermon is Let's Go to Wedding. I want you to go to wedding. I don't want the doors to be shut out. I want us to be ready. Don't trust in water purification. Don't trust in your denomination. If they're pointing you to Christ, praise the Lord. But trust Christ and Him alone. There's a song that Michael English sang. This was about 25 years ago. Atlanta, I heard him live over in Atlanta. Michael English is still singing, I think, now back with the Gators. But he sang a song, one of the most powerful voices he used to have. It's called, It Is In Christ Alone. These are some of the words. Oh, I could stop and I could count successes like diamonds in my hands. But these trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone I place my trust. And I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is in Christ alone. In Christ alone will I glory, for only by His grace I am redeemed. And only His tender mercy could reach beyond my weakness to my need. In Christ alone I place my trust. Let's go to wedding. Let's go to the wedding. Have you trusted Christ and Him alone? For the transformation that only He can do inside of you. Let's pray together. Father, Speak to our hearts right now in this moment. Let Your Word sink deep. I do pray, God, for anybody here that realizes, you know, I've never RSVP'd to that invitation, but I want to this morning. I I want to make sure that I'm going to the wedding of all weddings. Lord, I pray that You would stir hearts to respond to Your Word and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Thank You, God, for Your grace. Thank You for the transformation You want to do within our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is, My Jesus, I Love Thee. It is 172. You know that this altar is always open. If you need to respond to Christ, or if you just want to come and have a conversation with Jesus, this altar is always open. 172, let's stand together. My Jesus, I Love Thee.